So uh, the scene, as we remember, in Genesis 45, the brothers who had left uh, their, their brother Joseph in the pit uh, have come face to face with him now. And he said, I am your brother. And in verse 3, they were troubled at his presence. They couldn't answer him. Is dad alive? What's going on with him? They couldn't answer because they were troubled at his presence. Uh, as the experience of Joseph revealing himself to his brothers continues, we see a very candid or honest expression of both Joseph and his brothers. Um, candid meaning honest. And they have, uh, they're, both, they're, they're troubled, and they don't know if he's offended or what he's about to do with them. Imagine you're in that place, you know, when, when the big reveal is let out. Did he reveal himself like a policeman reveals himself out of the bush and gives you a ticket or, or worse yet, puts you in, in, in jail? You know, did he reveal himself only to put them uh, in their place or did he reveal himself and was it going to be a loving thing? Well, they, I'm sure they, didn't, they weren't thinking, oh good, our brother is this chief man. Now he's going to let it slide. I'm sure they were troubled. As it says, they were troubled in his presence. In the reading today, Joseph will explain the providence of God in the matters of his life, giving credit to the Lord in all things. Um, and we would be wise to do such things. You know, uh, I, it, uh, it was wonderful. Even in, in our shooting, we were doing a little bit of shooting at Brother Gary's house the other day. And when Brother Shane hit the can that nobody else could, you know, he said, it's, it's of the Lord. Well, he's right. It's, it's the Lord that steadied his hand. It's the Lord that gave him eyesight. It's, it's of the Lord. Yeah. Now, Brother Shane still took aim, but a couple of us, other, others of us took aim too, and it, 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 didn't, it didn't work out so well. It's of the Lord. Give credit to all the Lord in all things, while at the same time acknowledging that they had done him wrong. Okay? Uh, in this account, we will also see with without stretching or bending the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, we, don't have to, we don't have to put words out of context for us to see what Christ has done. We'll look at, be looking at uh, verses 4 through 8 of chapter 45, and it's uh, the, um, the title of the message is A Great Deliverance. It comes from verse 7. He says, uh, and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So a great deliverance, that's the title of the message. In verse 46, in chapter uh, 45 and verse 6, they had, again, he had expressed himself, I'm your brother, I'm Joseph, is dad alive? And they couldn't answer a word. Verse 4, and Joseph said unto his brethren, come near to me, I pray you. And they came near. We don't have to go any further than that, and we could have a whole message right there. When Joseph, the governor, said, come, they had no choice but to come. You see it? They were afraid. They couldn't answer a word. They had nothing to say for themselves. But, buddy, when Joseph said, come here, you come here. I tell my three-year-old, almost four-year-old, come here. And she does it sometimes, sometimes she doesn't. Right? When she doesn't, sometimes she, she gets dealt with harshly. But they had no option in this thing. It's, it's come here or die kind of a thing. But how sweet, I mean, immediately your, your mind should go to your memory verse in John six forty four. No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him. These brother, his brethren were drawn. And remember, the, there were many people that were cast out of this room 
Okay, Joseph didn't say unto the nation of Egypt, come unto me. He said unto his brethren, that remnant, come unto me. And when Joseph was crying and giving all his his emotions toward his brother, it says the house of Pharaoh heard. So not every person who can hear Joseph would also hear him say, come, would come, right? But his brethren came to him. We don't have to do a whole lot of dancing to figure the gospel out in that, do we? That the, that the children of God, the brethren of God, according to adoption, shall hear his voice. My, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they, they follow me. They come to me. When he said, come near to me, I pray you, and they came near, it was not just out of obligation, but they, they came unto him as only a servant could unto the master, yeah. you see? They, they could do no other thing. They could not run out the back door or resist the will of the king yeah. here. Even with the guard outside the room, they still couldn't resist the king, could they? Well, who could resist the will of God himself? When he says, come here, his people come here. In the day of his salvation, they come. No doubt. There's no doubt about that. Um, the word accept, uh, and, and remember verse, no man can come to me except the Father would just say me draw and draw him there the bidding is is that of authority when joseph bids his brethren they come uh at his authority and in john chapter 17 jesus speaks of his authority which is greater than joseph's authority because his authority is above all authorities in john chapter 17 that word accept i want you to consider this these words spake Jesus, and this is his high priestly prayer in, in the, uh, the garden. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy son, that thy son also may glorify thee. As thou hast given him power or authority over all flesh. So if Christ has power or authority unto all flesh. When he says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and no man can come to me except the Father would just sent me draw him. Yeah. That power includes, while it includes authority over all flesh, all those that are his brethren will come, and none can come that are not his brethren. Right. You see that? Because he has authority over all flesh. That he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. Yeah. Just like Joseph could extend life, as it were, to his brothers who were in the room, He had the power to do that in a fleshly sense. Christ, being the eternal God, can give life to as many of his brethren as the Father gave to him. You see how beautiful that is? Again, uh, uh, Joseph didn't extend life to every nation. He didn't extend life to every single person. He said to his brothers who were in the room, come unto me. And this is eternal life that they might know thee. Joseph made himself known. These people that say that you can be saved and not know it, and not know who God is, they have to overlook the entirety of the Word of God. The people who are saved are those that God has chosen, and in eternal life, they know who God is based on God drawing them to Himself. That's exactly what Joseph did. Joseph's brothers knew that he was alive and that he was the king when the king made himself known that he was the brother and bid them to come to him, and not just in a in a person-to-person way, but in a relationship type way. I trust you see that. And know that he is the only one true God in Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. But once bidden, no one can refuse. Was there any brother that could refuse? All the brothers were there and all of them came. 
Okay, no child of God will at the last be able to be, to refuse to be uh, to come to the Lord. None, just like no brother of Joseph could have refused to come to him at his bidding. Face it, if the police showed up here and said, all right, Mr. Newell, you're coming with us, what would I do? Well, I would either obey them or it would escalate and come to a shootout, yep. right? If, if that's what, how it works with the police, either you go with them or you resist, how is it with the king? Well, you either went with the king and did what he said or resisted. Well, how is it with the king of kings? I, I trust that we see this. Very, very clear stuff. Very clear. Verse 4, he continues, and, and he says, I pray you, and they came near, and he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. Wow. Now think of how your heart would feel. You've come near. Child of God, remember when you were drawn to Christ, and you remember that day when you were uh, as a sinner, that you, that you were thinking, oh, my God, I, I've sinned against you. And he said, yeah, come unto me, you sinner. <laughs> You sinner, you, you one that is vile and deserves my wrath, come unto me. When Jesus said again, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. What's that labor and that ladenness or that, that weight? What is that? It's sin. It's guilt, right? Guilt before God, knowing who he is and knowing what you are. Joseph says, you are who you are and this is what you did. Come near unto me. And here's the reality in verse 5. Look at this. Now, therefore, be not grieved. Oh, what sweet words. Oh. Remember the sweet words. On, on Patmos, when John saw Jesus for who, for who he was and his voice thundered and all that stuff, he put his hand on him and said, fear not. Remember that? Remember that in the day of your salvation when you knew you was a sinner before God? You knew who he was. You knew who you were. And then that sweet release, fear not. Be not afraid. Be not grieved. I know you're a sinner, but Jesus, my son, has taken your sin upon himself. Now, therefore, be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that you sold me hither. For God did send me before you to preserve life. Now, he didn't send you to preserve your own life, right? He didn't give you the option or the choice that you could or not preserve your own life. He's saying, and this is something that we really have, that I really have to get down I know I'm a sinner, and just as Jesus or just as Joseph told his brothers, I know you did me wrong. He says, "Be not grieved or angry at yourselves, man. Quit living in the past. Yeah. Quit living in the past. What you did was wrong, brother. What you did was wrong." He says, "But but let let yourself forgive yourselves, yeah. right?" I mean, if the second great commandment is that we love our brother like we love ourselves, don't we have to love ourselves just a little bit? And, and if I'm supposed to forgive my brother like Christ forgave me, well, shouldn't I allow a little bit of forgiveness for my own sins? Yeah. G- Joseph here is showing a measure of grace that, that, that we, we, I don't think we really concentrate on enough uh, as children of God that that not, we're not supposed to permit our sins or excuse our sins, but we can't be, hold ourselves guilty and, and, and strangle ourselves in depression over ourselves either, yeah. over our sins. No, we're, we're to trust in God that He has sent us a great deliverance. Amen. He says, I, God did send me before you to preserve life. They sinned. Adam sinned, bringing death upon all humanity. Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Death passed upon all. 
And while Adam sinned, Jesus Christ was determined to die for that offense. Romans chapter 5, verse 15. He is that eternal Lamb of God that was slain from before the foundation of the world. That grace of God is eternal. The gift of grace by Jesus Christ were eternally purposed, happened in time. So what are we saying there? What are we saying there? Yes, they did sin. But it was purposed of God in eternity past that Joseph would come to bring life to those who had sinned against him. How much is that a picture of Jesus Christ? Jesus Christ was determined from before the foundation of the world by the providence of God to come and preserve life or, or sustain life and eternal life for those that had sinned against him. How amazing is this? It's wonderful. The Lord Jesus Christ, while God's people are great offenders, I'm very offensive toward God in my own self, according to my own merit. You look in Revelation chapter 20, those people judged or judged according to their works, and my works were awful. The Lord Jesus Christ was sent before to preserve the lives of his people. That's what, that's what the Bible reads, cover to cover, that Christ was sent to preserve the lives of his people. The brothers weren't preserved because of their offense, but in spite of it, okay? What had the brothers done so far besides have hungry, empty bellies to preserve their life? What have they done? You know, they've been caught on every hand doing this and doing that, and they were thought to be spies and thieves and whatever. All they have done is brought death and destruction to themselves. No, but it was the grace of God through Joseph that brought them life. In fact, when they dealt with him, remember, we, we read that they were, or they were evil beasts. You know, and Jacob said, perhaps some evil beast got Joseph. That's all these men had done is behaved as evil beasts. But Joseph, being a, a picture and a type of Jesus Christ, uh, shows us the great love and the mercy that he had upon us sinners. Look, look if you would, in the book of Acts. This, this, uh, this is well demonstrated in the book of Acts in chapter 2. If you turn there, Acts chapter 2, and uh, speaking of the very men that, that dealt with Jesus, that these men dealt with Joseph in a harsh way, and Joseph was used to, to bring them life. Look at Acts chapter 2, verse 22, if you would. Ye men of Israel, not, not Israel at large and not the, everybody, he's saying, you guys I'm talking to, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which did which God did by him in the midst of you, as you yourselves also know, his Joseph's brothers knew that he was a man that had special ability, you would say, in these dreams. Remember, behold, here comes the dreamer. Here comes that man that says he'll be exalted above us. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. Now, Joseph was delivered into a pit and into slavery and into slavery and into a prison by the determinate counsel of God. He really was. And he was done so, Joseph says, that he would preserve much people alive. But look at what Peter tells these people. Ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. It doesn't take the Jews off the hook, does it? That's right. Joseph saying God did this, he's still saying you were guilty of these things, right? But there's good news in it, that life would be preserved. Life would be preserved. 
whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. The wicked hands were discovered. Christ is revealed, and they are troubled. Look at verse 36, okay? This so reminds us of the account in verse 45. Verse 36, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus, whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. He shows him the Lord openly. Now verse 37, Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. They were troubled at the presence of God and their sin. And said unto Peter and to the rest of them, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission, or because of the remission, because you're forgiven of sin. Repent, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And that being through baptism. Do you see the comparison here? Joseph was sent as, as a preserver of life. Jesus Christ, the proof of God, is the preserver of life. Jo- J- Jesus is not picturing Joseph. Joseph is a clear picture of what Jesus Christ has done for his people. A clear picture. I've come. God did send me. I didn't send me. God sent me to be uh, before you to preserve life. It's wonderful. Verse 36. For these two years hath the famine been in the land. And there are yet five years, or two years down, five more to go. Remember, seven years of famine coming, okay? Two years down, five to go. In the which there shall neither be earring nor harvest. The providence of God in time, space, and matter. Don't, don't lose sight of this. We could, we could go straight through this verse. We can't, we can't miss this. Don't lose sight of this. The timing of the famine was determined... And so were all the days which we live. Remember, there were seven years of plenty, then seven years of famine. But in a time when it was approved by God, Joseph made himself known. Okay? Sinner, you might be sitting here thinking that your life is just, you're just soaring along and there's increase and piling away riches and time and, and whatever. You don't realize it, that you're already in the famine. You don't, you, don't, you don't realize you're in the famine, but the timing of this famine was determined and providenced by the will of God. Remember going back that they had already eaten up the first time they went to Joseph, uh, Egypt. They, they got a whole mess of, of stuff and they'd eaten it up. So now they're going back the second time. All providenced of God. The space of the famine was determined. It says there was a famine in the land, right? There was a famine in the land for the year... Uh, it says, uh, for the famine, uh, for the two years hath the famine been in the land. Is this a worldwide famine or is this a regional famine? It appears it's a regional famine. And that, that uh, space was determined by God. God in his providence has no boundaries. You know, who could have thought that a, a bunch of people would move from here and from there, you know, to all meet up with one another? No boundaries. God can perform his purpose. And the matter, or the stuff here, the science and the workings, the earring means plowing, okay? So where he says uh, earring, there shall neither be earring nor harvest, there shall be no plowing or farming or harvest, okay? So you won't be able to do these things. God has made these things impossible. So in the providence of God, 
We can't miss that all these things are worked to the finest detail that all, the, all these things happen so that Joseph would bring life or God would bring life and great deliverance through Joseph. Only God has, that has the creation power could do such wonders. Only the God that can bring a famine, as he said, and the time of plenty, as he said, can save, as he says. Only that God. Only the divine creator could create new life and the new birth from above. Understanding these, these types of details, is, is, it should just draw us to, to in wide wonder and worship of God. Not that, he just brought, not that he reconciled brothers together, but he has power over all things to perform his will. Yeah. Right? And this goes back even further uh, to, to a time when Abraham was promised by God that his people would go down in a, in a country that was not theirs for 400 years. This is all being per, uh, perfected. Uh, and, and laid out here by the work of God. Verse 7, And God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth, a posterity, and to save your lives by a great deliverance. This is really incredible. We need to take God's word for exactly what it says. These are sinners deserving to die before the governor. These are sinners on the verge of death and starvation. These are sinners who had eaten up their corn and could not save themselves alive. We read that, let's read it in uh, chapter 43 and verses 1 and 2. And the famine was sore in the land, and it came to pass when they had eaten up the corn which they had brought out of Egypt, their father said to them, Go again, buy us a little food. They, they could not save themselves. Whatever the little they had, they'd used it up. These are sinners, now troubled, incapable, incompetent, impotent, and guilty. Sinners. What could these sinners possibly do to save themselves in any of these circumstances? Read that verse again, verse 7. God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth. These people are helpless, okay? As sinners, they are helpless, as, as wrongdoers toward their brother, they are helpless under their brother. If he says live, they live. If he says die, they die. And they would deserve to die. What could these sinners possibly do to save themselves? I want you to notice what he says, Joseph. He said, ain't God sent me. Okay, God sent the deliverer, didn't he? God sent the deliverer. People think that they have the opportunity to, uh, to be their own deliverers, that they can either accept or reject the love of God. But God sent his deliverer, and as we indicated earlier, if the deliverer says, come, those that are to be delivered shall come. God sent the plan of salvation, didn't he? In this, uh, this uh, scenario, verse 7, and God sent me before you to preserve you. How? Well, he, he did different things to store away food during, during the plenty and during the famine, but it was God's plan. Yeah. It was God's plan illustrated through a message, through a, a dream that God had given. Yeah. It was God's man that had given the interpretation. All these things happened, and, but it started with God, yeah. you see. Even when, when these men were casting their brother into the pit, we're going to read in verse 8, it wasn't you, that, but God that sent me, yeah. okay? God. It was the grace of God. 
God determined to save their lives. Look again, verse 7. God sent the deliverer. God set the plan of salvation. God determined to save their lives. Okay? On both ends. He preserved their lives while they were in Canaan, and he also preserved Joseph's life that he would uh, do what he was intended to do. That's what, what some people call prevenient grace. You know, grace before you're saved, you know, keeping you from doing this and doing that and keeping you alive until the day of salvation. God had sent me before you to preserve you. And that possibility wasn't, didn't just start when they met up all those years later. You know, God, w- God was with Judah when he went down south, wasn't he? He was, because he had to refine Judah a little bit. God was there. God was there. God was with Jacob all those years of grieving. God was there. You think that God's not there. God is there. And God has sent Christ to preserve you a posterity. What does that mean? Well, Webster says descendants are children. The Hebrew word sherif means a remainder or a residue or a remnant. He's saying God sent me to preserve you a remnant. How's that for the uh, clear object of salvation? God sent Jesus Christ to preserve a remnant unto salvation that are called his people. They're called by his name. How wonderful is that? It's beautiful. It's wonderful. God predestined no small deliverance, but a great deliverance. That's what it is, a great deliverance. He went to to preserve a remnant in the earth to save your lives by a great deliverance distinguished from any other kind of deliverance that could be. This is the greatest deliverance that Joseph is saying. Well, how much more is the deliverance of our souls from death and hell and bondage and even our own sins? What a great deliverance. What a great deliverance indeed. In the book of Hebrews chapter 10, look there concerning the the great deliverance that, that Christ has brought unto his people. Such a great deliverance. You know, we talk about love and the expressions of loves. How about sharing the great deliverance that Christ has performed? He's gone on before you to preserve your life in a great deliverance. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1. For the law having a shadow of good things to come. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1. For the law having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the covers thereunto perfect. There'll always be sinners before God if we're going by the law, okay? If you're going by the law, you'll never be perfect. Oh, where is our deliverer? Praise God, verse 12. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice uh, for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God, from henceforth expecting until his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. The remnant. He saved them alive. He preserved them alive. But look, if you look at the, at the words in verses 1 and verse 10, those brothers could never be perfect before Joseph. But by the grace of God, they were preserved and perfected, we could say by the work of God. Wherefore, the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us. For after that he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them. After those days, saith the Lord, that I will put my laws into their hearts and their minds will I write them. And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. He didn't say 
I'll just overlook them. But no, that sacrifice, that substitution, that's what took place, that one offering. He perfected them. Now where remission or forgiveness of these is, there is no more offering for sin. That's a great deliverance. By the sacrifices and the law and the good doing and the well doing, there was never one that could be saved. But by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, it's over. It's finished. What a great deliverance. What a wonderful thing that Christ has done on behalf of His brethren, His people. How wonderful. God sent me before you. Think about If you can hear the words of Jesus Christ, hear them speaking to you, child of God, in verse 7. And God sent me before you to preserve you a remnant in the earth. How wonderful. And to save your lives by a great deliverance. That's exactly what Jesus Christ has done. A great deliverance. That posterity that we've read so often from from the book of Ephesians. uh, The posterity, the adoption. We've read it many times, but but read it under this context. The, The posterity that Christ went before, sent by God to save our lives. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. Blessed be a God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, according as He hath chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will. Jesus Christ went before us to the praise of the glory of His grace, where He hath made us accepted in the beloved how because god has sent him before us that he should that he should uh preserve us a posterity or a remnant that we would be the adopted children of god it's wonderful it really is but look at verse eight so now now brothers now that you know that god has sent me and that your lives will be saved, and you're, 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 you're going to have preservation, and there's a great deliverance, all these things, and God has done it. So now, it was not you that sent me hither. You know, some people preach that, that God was just kind of hanging out, and then once, once, uh, once man had sinned, he said, oh man, what am I going to do about this? So God is reacting to what man has done. But I don't believe that's the case at all. I believe it was the eternal purpose of God that man would fall, that Christ would be the Redeemer of His people. So it is not you that sent me hither. It's not my sin that sent Christ to Calvary, but the eternal love of God toward Himself that sent Christ to Calvary. You see? So it's not you that sent me hither, but God. God sent Christ to Calvary. You know, John chapter 3, verse 16, people have it memorized. For God so loved the world. Well, that's right. God did in such a manner love and that eternal that he gave his only begotten son. He sent Christ to Calvary. Not me. Now, he suffered for my sin, but the love of God sent Christ to Calvary. So now it was not you that sent me hither, but God. And he hath made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Now, it wasn't you that sent me here, sinner. It's not you that, that sent Christ to, to Calvary. 
it was the Father. But look at how Christ is exalted. Look at how Joseph is exalted. And we're going to see that it's just a picture of the exaltation of Jesus Christ. Okay, It's not you, but God. It wasn't the sinfulness of men that brought salvation, but the providence of God that sent salvation. That's how it was in Joseph's life. Joseph's life, and that's how it is in my life. I'm not saved because I'm a sinner. I'm saved because God eternally loved me. That's how it is in the hall of the the councils of God, eternal. Just as God set up Joseph as ruler, much more God set up Christ as Lord. We read in uh, in Acts chapter two. Make your way back there. We read uh, in chapter two, verse thirty six. That God had made this same Jesus. Look, we'll read it together that we were not misquoting it. John chapter 2, or excuse me, Acts chapter 2, verse 36. He says, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus. Right? God made him, just like God sent Joseph before them. God made Jesus, whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. He's the owner and possessor of all things, he's the fulfillment of prophet, priest, and king. And that eternal, right? Your wicked hands put him up there, but God sent him, right? And we read that uh, just a few verses earlier uh, in the case there where we said, uh, let's see, where was it? In Acts chapter twenty, uh, chapter 2, verse 23, being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, you have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. Yes, they did do those things, but it was always purposed by God. That's right to send him there. It wasn't them that did it, but God. People focus on what man did to Christ, and that's pitiful. They ripped out his beard, and they striped his back, and they stripped him down naked, and all that kind of stuff. But what happened to Christ at Calvary that paid for our sins was God judged him for sins. That's what he did. He stood in the place of sinners at the hand of God. But check it out in Colossians. You can talk about Christ being set up as Lord in Christ. The book of Colossians says it far better than I can. All I can do is is read it and elaborate best I can. Colossians chapter 2, before Thessalonians, after Philippians. Colossians chapter 2, verse 9. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Man, if we could get a hold of that. (laughs) The fullness of the Godhead bodily. You know? I mean, if you try to... Just try to think of a blue whale and shrink it down into the size of, a, of an ant. That'd be doing something, wouldn't it? Mm. But taking God, the fullness of God, and to shrink it into the size of a man, that's, that's, a, that's a bigger deal, right? Mm. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Yep. And ye are complete in him, right. which is the head of the principality and power. I said Colossians chapter 2. It's in verses 9 through 11. I think I'm reading through here the wrong passage. Chapter, let's see. Did I say Colossians? I sure did. Yeah. Well, let that go right there. That's, that's, that's uh, just the idea that he uh, became the, the fullness of the Godhead. Bottom. Where was I looking? Let me let me look here. Uh, 
on Colossians. I sure am. Oh, I wrote Colossians. It's supposed to be Philippians. Turn over to Philippians. Philippians chapter 2, verse 9. That's not a common mistake, but now you know that I do make mistakes. Philippians chapter 2, verse 9. Wherefore God hath also highly exalted, lifted him up, and given him a name which is above every name. Joseph was exalted, second to Pharaoh. Well, God has exalted Christ. That in the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in the earth and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, owner and possessor of all things, to the glory of God the Father. You see, Jesus was the second. And, and if you look in, uh, in Revelation chapter 3, he tells the Laodicean church, you can sit in my throne while I sit in my Father's throne. You see? You see that parallel? That it wasn't God that did it, or it wasn't man that did it, but God has exalted Joseph, just as it was God that exalted Jesus Christ, his son, to his own glory. How wonderful. How wonderful it is that God sent Christ before us that he would preserve our lives. Child of God, what a great deliverance. We do have a great and wonderful deliverance. We're sinners. These men standing before Joseph were sinners and deserved to die. But God sent Joseph ahead of them to preserve life. He sent Joseph there to preserve their lives by the providence of God. And so much more what Jesus Christ did for us. All we did for our salvation was present the need for it. But again, it wasn't my sin that put Jesus Christ at Calvary. It was the love of God. It was God himself that put Jesus at Calvary. While we cannot excuse our sinful behavior, again, we should not grieve ourselves over it persistently. I hope you saw that early on, that Joseph told his brothers to be not grieved nor angry with themselves. Trust in God and keep moving on. You know, you can't undo the past. I can't undo the past. You can apologize and do the things that you're supposed to do. But grieving ourselves and and uh, and being angry with ourselves over our sins, it, it doesn't do us any good. We're to trust in Christ and be thankful for our preservation in life. Thank God that, that even in that, it was providence by God that He would deliver us. See, regardless of what you've gone through in this life and what you still will go through in this life, it was always the providence of God that He would, child of God, that He would save you and that you would serve Him, that you would come to Him and follow Him and love Him and have that expression of love. Now, sinner, I want you to hear the gospel in this again. When Joseph said, Come unto me, unto his brethren, they came. Uh, all have sinned and come short of the glory of the God. I, I, I don't know who is a child of God and who's not, but I can repeat what Jesus said when he said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He meant it. Yeah. So if you're a child of God, if you're the brother and you're a brother of God by adoption, a, a child of God, under Jesus Christ, when you hear that call, you will come and there'll be no begging needed. You'll run after him, as we talked about earlier. Amen. All are sinners, all are dying, all are in the famine. Has Christ made himself known to you? Has he called you and lovingly said, be not afraid? Joseph did with his brethren, they came. That should point us to Christ. By the power of God, I would say, sinner, be troubled over your sin. Be greatly troubled. 
his brethren, they were troubled at his presence. And that's rightly so. When the people in the book of Acts, again, were heard of the things they had done to Christ, they were troubled. What do we do? Repent and believe the gospel. Repent. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection, and be baptized into his church. Baptism doesn't save. We know that. But that is the first duty of a believer is to be baptized. I pray that the Lord has clearly shown us through the life of Joseph how Christ deals with sinners or some of the things that he has done for us. Thank God that he was sent before us to preserve our lives.